Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 20. In this minute, Nathaniel and the crew argue about the course of the filthy whore. Nathaniel bids farewell to his manhood and then plies Skunk and Teddy with nuts and stockings. Get ready to set sail with Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 20. Welcome to a very special episode of Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 20. This mm-hmm. now marks the fact that we are, well, 20, 40, 60, 80, 25%, one quarter through the movie Cabin Boy. And how befitting that not only by being joined with our regular co-hosts, Rob Lobari. And Scott Sauls, but the great Chad Opitz joins us here. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Chad's a stand-up comic based out of San Francisco who's been featured on the Doug Loves Movies podcast with Doug Benson. And people can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at Chad Opitz, C-H-A-D-O-P-I-T-Z. So welcome, Chad. Thank you. You nailed that uh, pronunciation, too. Thank you so much. Well, it has some of the letters of Spritzer, which I'm very familiar <laughs> with, so Opitz is not much of a stretch. That's awesome. <laughs> so, that's, how you, I, that's how you got it right. It was like, it's like Spritzer. <laughs> so Cabin Boy Minute 20 opens up with Cappy now running over to Nathaniel with some sort of roaring action and sound and says, listen up. And I mean, right out of the gates here, this first quote, uh, something, something to be discussed here. So the closed captioning says, you doozy looking deuce in shoes with D's, D-O-O-Z-Y, doozy looking Deuce, D-E-U-C-E, in shoes. So what did you guys, uh, how did you guys interpret this first phrase of Captain Boy Minute 20? My closed captioning says, you goofy-looking goose in shoes. Mm-hmm. Huh. That, that's what I hear, and that's what I always thought he says. Goofy-looking goose in shoes. Yeah. Ah, see, I thought it was doofy-looking goose in shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the closed captioning as well, though, Rob? Yeah, it's got the doozy going on, which is, that's definitely wrong. But uh, I didn't get the G sound out of either of those. Both of them have sweet alliterations going on, so I'm on board. <laughs> in the screenplay, yes. in fact, there is more indication that it is a goose reference, G-O-O-S-E. So Graybar says to Nathaniel, you sure got an imagination on you. Do me a favor, Mother Goose. Just stay out of my face for the next 90 days. So he calls it Mother Goose, which I guess could quickly be turned into goofy looking goose in shoes. And Mother Goose, I guess, a reference to the wig. Uh, Mother Goose usually depicted with this uh, big white hair. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because otherwise that doesn't really make a ton of sense. I definitely assumed it was a reference to his wig. I agree. I mean, I'm still reeling here a little bit. I was, I, I always assumed that was Deuce, even though that didn't make any sense. That's Goose. Oh, hmm. All right. 
restructuring your world yet again. The whole movie changes from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> so then he continues, we're out here for the next three months to catch us some fish. So unless you want to end up as bait, stay out of my face. Yeah, the whole exchange is good. Watching it closely and looking at everyone's face during that is awesome. Like at the beginning, Nathaniel's got his jaw jutting out. He's trying to look all tough. And then he gets whacked and he lets out his little whimper and like backs down. Kenny covers his face with the bucket at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just seeing Kenny as Cappy's even coming over to him, just, you know, shuddering. It's like fiddling with the strap on the bucket at one point. The expressions of him and uh, uh, Skunk are phenomenal (laughs) the whole time. Like, I love the expressions that Brian Doyle Murray's doing during the whole exchange. He's really relishing uh, uh, Nathaniel getting uh, called a goose. (laughs) He's, he's like, leaning in to hear what Cappy's saying. And then uh, the whole thing's good. I like that the, the line tool reappears, too. Yeah. If you notice, it's different from the one in the previous scene. The one in the previous scene, it's the same looking tool, but the one in the previous scene Mm -hmm. is like a white plastic one, perhaps scrimshaw, but it looks like white plastic. (laughs) And this one is now wood. He's whittling the shuttle now. I guess he makes them himself. It does seem like a pretty basic thing to make out of wood. Yeah. Or whalebone. Sure. Supplementary income for the crew, they make uh, scrimshaw shuttles. So, speaking of harvesting uh, mammals from the sea, don't you walk away from me, you big talking walrus. <laughs> Again, look on Skunk's face when he calls Cappy the big talking walrus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, yeah, can't believe you said that. Schoolyard insults. And again, a great delivery, Nathaniel. <laughs> This issue is not negotiable. The giant eye roll as he's saying that. Just like, I can't, how could you possibly be ignoring me? <laughs> We've been harping on uh, Andy's performance in the background this whole time. And I think Chris has maybe been a little overshadowed by what Andy's been pulling off. But I think Chris steps it back up in this minute. There's all kinds of good stuff out of Nathaniel. Him and Brian Doyle Murray are both fantastic. Yeah, this whole, I mean, he just sells it. You believe him uh, when he says that he believes this issue is not negotiable. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. And speaking of phenomenal acting, then we have Big Teddy, Brian James, step up. (laughs) I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, getting rid of this wig. So, ah, my christening wig. I've had it since infancy. So how did your guys' christening wig Google searches go? Because mine was slightly traumatizing. So I'm like, all right, christening wigs. Let's look this up. And immediately my screen is filled with little porcelain dolls in christening gowns (laughs) that are just horrifying. (laughs) Like all these weird little little dolls with their little painted faces in their little, little mini lace gowns. It was a little disturbing. As near as I could tell, christening wigs are not a thing. But <laughs> there is a Facebook page. So the first link that I found was a 
a Facebook page that was auto-generated based upon what Facebook users are interested in. What does that mean? So apparently enough people who are hooked up to Facebook have searched (laughs) for christening wigs that the big Facebook computer somewhere decided it was going to make a page for it. Why not? (laughs) What happens on such page? It is completely unpopulated. All it all says is christening wigs, and it gives you the option to like it. I did not, because I was scared. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to see these anymore. I hate this. (laughs) Christening wigs mainly created for dolls, then? What's the function of a christening wig? So as far as I could tell, maybe you guys found something else. I didn't find any actual references to christening wigs. I just found things associated either with christenings or with wigs, but never together. I believe it is just a product of Adam Resnick's diseased mind. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe you guys found something else. My research uh, exactly aligns with what you came up with. My first line, christening wig, semicolon, not a real thing. (laughs) But I, of course, wasn't satisfied with that answer, so tried to (laughs) dig a little deeper. There's a whole Wikipedia page on, like, christening attire, <laughs> uh, but no, no wigs associated. And, and let's be honest, you know, that wig is a, an adult-sized wig, so how could a baby wear that, wear that sized wig at infancy? I mean, it would suffocate the, the poor child. <laughs> what if it was just the same exact wig and it just grew with him? They didn't have to change it. It just like adapted to his melon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in this in this supernatural uh, possibilities of the cabin boy world and Hell's Bucket, I mean, it is possible. Anything goes. So, just in the Roman Catholic tradition, a uh, christening gown is traditionally worn—a very long white infant's garment, uh, which was then in the 19th century changed to a shorter gown. Which they have a specific word for this. This was known as short coating, and they often have matching bonnets that may become family heirlooms used generation after generation. Well, it could be that the christening bonnet tradition in the Cabin Boy universe manifested itself as was was a modified into the christening wig for the fancy lads. All right, so Big Teddy. Rips it off his head, throws it out. Lots of great just reactions here. And Nathaniel runs off to the side. Steve Bartek jumps in with his beautiful music there. I tried to use the old uh, Shazam, figure out exactly what tune that was. Did anyone come up with it? Mm-mm. It's really nice, though. Beautiful mm-hmm. violence. It is. So what came up when I did the Shazam... Somebody actually sampled it. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they sure did. So uh, the song comes up as Silence of the Loons by Professor Fresh, some sort of hip-hop band out of uh, Minnesota. And furthermore, there are even, like, little cabin boy. I forget exactly what's in the background, but there are little, like, expressions from cabin boy in the background of this song as well. Hmm. Huh. All right, so then we have Paps run in with the great line. Anyone? Oh. Well, you ain't got it no more, Peck. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Gammon. James Gammon. You ain't got it no more, Peckerhead. The, the look on his face as he's doing it, just he kind of runs up there and 
I mean, maybe I'm just projecting, but I got the feeling that he was really enjoyed delivering that line. Oh yeah. yeah. He was he was <laughs> all into like, oh, I get to rip on this asshole. Yes. <laughs> he says very gleefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually do an okay uh, James Gammon impression. Oh, can, can we hear some? When I was a kid, I loved the movie Major League. Oh, yeah. Lou so, Brown. Lou Brown. So I'd always, I love that line. He's like, you might run like maze, but you hit like shit. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> that's very good. No more, peckerhead. <laughs> that's one of my favorite opening scenes that with the Randy Newman, Burn On playing, and the city of Cleveland shots and stuff. I love that. Yep. It's beautiful. It's one word for it. They're still shitty. <laughs> so again doing my due diligence as our fans expect according to urban dictionary a peckerhead specifically is an aggressive objectionable person but also a peckerhead is the wiring box mounted to an electric motor you knew yeah. that rob i did wow yeah there's uh they said un- unknown why but oh yeah. I... oh you you know i have information <laughs> Breaking news! (laughs) Shocking revelation. So, a peckerhead is the name for the motor terminal box because it is due to the box's slight resemblance to a pickerhead, which is an agricultural machine that's used to harvest fruit and other things of that nature. So it's a big kind of cone-shaped contraption that goes on like the front of a tractor and it goes along and it kind of spins. And supposedly, legend tells that somebody had to go fix a, hook some wires up to a motor, motor terminal box somewhere down in the south, and uh, they referred to it as that thing that looks like a pickerhead. Oh. That became pickerhead. There's actually, if you look up the story of peckerhead, you can find a little tale about it on nationaltradesman.com. Beautiful. My favorite definition, though, on Urban Dictionary. Oh, you did this as well. (laughs) Was someone who has not graduated to a full dickhead. (laughs) I would say that uh, Nathaniel for sure has graduated to that level. (laughs) Yeah, I write conflicting reports as to the hierarchy, whether this is less or more grading than a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we have the There by the Grace of God Floats Away My Manhood. Delivered very beautifully by Chris Elliott. Angelic. He sense his sorrow. And that uh, that quote, there's a quote there, but the, for the grace of God, go I, which is allegedly from mid-16th century statement by John Bradford, where he says, there by the grace of God goes John Bradford. This was in reference to a group of prisoners being led to execution. So John Bradford was an English reformer imprisoned in the Tower of London for alleged crimes against Mary Tudor. Uh, Grace of God uh, go I, great flogging Molly song. Just throw it out there. (laughs) Check that out. So, but proverbially, it's uh, a recognition that others' misfortune could be one's own if it weren't for the blessing of the divine. Yeah. Poetic. Very much so. Yeah. Nathaniel, obviously, with all the feels on this, watching it float away, and the crew, yeah. just 
so happy. <laughs> I love watching him lose his manhood. <laughs> Again, going back to our uh, MVP, Kenny. So the, during this whole exchange, he's very agitated. You know, he's got he's covering his face with the bucket. He's fiddling with the strap. He's He doesn't like all the tension. But then after Paps calls him a peckerhead and everybody starts laughing, then he finally calms down. <laughs> he laughs along with the crew and then runs off like a giant toddler. <laughs> I love the way he runs off at the end. It's really fun. Yeah, I mean, he's like a wave of a person. He just goes with the emotions of the entire crew and doesn't quite make his own judgments as to how to react or not. Yep, absolutely. Um, so then he goes into his uh, negotiating phase where, as we mentioned, this is uh, akin to Captain's Courageous, uh, where the boy in Captain's Courageous is doing the same thing on the ship, trying to negotiate with different members of the crew to... Uh, get him to turn the ship around to take him home. So his first tactic is to skunk, simply put, a five-pound box of chocolate-covered macadamia nuts is yours if you'll point this swill heap towards Hawaii. Comprende? I love that. The comprende at the end is great. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this of course, is alluding to Hawaii, a very popular uh, Hawaiian item, souvenir item, is macadamia nuts, chocolate-covered. Uh, and a search on Google from nuts.com in today's <laughs> dollars, a five-pound box of chocolate-covered macadamia nuts would be $106.65 in today's dollars. Whoa. Yeah. I looked that up as well, and when he does his negotiating with Big Teddy and offers him the silk socks, also roughly could be get up to $100. Wow. Everybody's getting the same benefit yeah. of the negotiations. <laughs> Yes, he's, he's trying to be equitable. I, of course, took it a step further to see what that box of macadamia nuts would cost in the different time periods that we're assuming that this movie took place in and adjusted for inflation. So if we assume, first off, that this is filmed in 1935, in 1935, that $106.65 box of macadamia nuts would be $5.62. <laughs> But in 1990, adjusted for inflation, it would be $53.63. I, I did the same thing. And I just, <laughs> when I was done, I was just sitting there looking at it. <laughs> He's offering him 50 bucks. <laughs> I gave you $50 to take life. Yeah, that is definitely more than a peckerhead move. That is a dickhead move. <laughs> Uh, so then he moves on from Skunk, having no luck there, and heads on to Big Teddy. And we just hear the first part of this exchange in minute 20. These stockings I'm wearing are made of pure imported silk from the mountains of Benigna. Benigna. All right. So, hopped on the old internets. Tried spelling Benigna in various different ways. There is a Benigna... Creek Winery in Pennsylvania, uh, which I don't believe produces silk, uh, and it is spelled B-E-N-I-G-N-I-A. Resnick grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, so uh. perhaps uh, where where in Pennsylvania is that? I am not sure. I only wrote down the name. So there is the country of Benin in Africa, which does have mountains, Mount Sokoboro being the tallest mountain in Benin. Benin in real life, has traditionally been a silk importer 
So it's unlikely that they were actually producing and exporting silk. But, you know, again, this is the Cabin Boy universe. It's possible. I do think that's very interesting. You said the winery was in the Benigno winery was in Pennsylvania and Resnick is from Harrisburg, you said. Which is, I just looked it up, it's an hour away from Harrisburg, the Benigna okay. Winery. I feel like there's got to be some sort of connection there. Yeah, and we've been finding he does seem to sneak little things in the script from here, here and there that uh, could be personal reference. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like a word he just thought was funny. Benigna. I mean, you'd say it as a kid, probably, you know, Benigna, Benigna. script's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because in the screenplay, he says that the stockings are from the Orient. Mm, makes more sense. There's also the Bernina mountain range, which is part of the Alps. Ah, like the Swiss Alps? The Swiss Alps. <laughs> or the, yeah, the Swiss and Italian Alps. Not the Jersey Alps. <laughs> Not the Jersey Alps. Or the Pennsylvanian oh, Alps. The, the Harrisburg Jersey Alps. Oh, <laughs> <Alps. laughs> yeah. So the script seems to be more in line with where you would get the best silk from. Top producers of silk are from China and India. Highest quality silk is mulberry silk, which is made from silkworms known as the Bombyx mori moth. They're fed on exclusive diet of mulberry leaves. So mulberry silk is some of the most sought after silk in the world. So the, uh, the silkworms form a little cocoon because they eventually they'll turn into moths. So apparently what they do is they let them form the cocoons and then they either poke each cocoon with a needle or dip the cocoons in boiling water to kill the worms inside and then crack them open and extract the silk, which all in all I find to be a disgusting process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor worms. <laughs> On the Wikipedia page, there actually are, I didn't really read that part, but I did see there was a bit about activists uh, being against silk manufacturing. Clearly, Nathaniel, not an activist. Oh. <laughs> He's all about him. He's like, let's, let's keep this going. He yeah. runs a silkworm factory, goddammit. You definitely run a silkworm factory. The mountains of Beninia. <laughs> I, I, I do want to try and bring that up in regular conversation somehow. <laughs> it's fun to say. Like, it really is. And he does like his character. Just like you know, he he finishes the conversation with Skunk, just saying "comprende." He's trying to say words that are like exotic and fancy. It makes sense that he would want instead of the Orient, he would say some fictional uh, Benigna. Right. It, ma it makes him feel more like special and that he has yeah. clout or something. Yeah. And the look yeah. on his face when he finishes talking, when he when he finishes that line to Big Teddy, he presents the stocking and he's like, you get it? <laughs> this is important. He does get uh, really close to Big Teddy's face when he offers him the socks, like really yeah. uncomfortably close. Just a couple other just notes uh, from watching the scene. So when Nathaniel's doing these negotiations, he now has his blazer back on. What happened in between him um, seeing his wig float away? Did he go back into the captain's quarters? Did the captain take his shit out and throw it out on deck? And what transpired in this time? He got chilly. Or maybe he was, uh, you know, he's very vulnerable. He just watched his manhood float away. So he's going to want to cover up a little bit. He's feeling uh, very exploited, possibly. Yeah, he, he needs to, he, he's lost the wig, 
which is one of his possessions that he uses to sort of define himself. He's feeling naked. He needs to cover up. Put his little suit back on. Mm-hmm. Now he's feels feels uh, more confident. Yes. They did take the effort to wet down the deck, you can see. It looks uh, wet all over. I think that's one of those uh, little details that both Elliot and Resnick appear to like feel bad about in retrospect. When you listen to the commentary, right, they're always talking about, like, you know, the crew hating them for all the little things that they want to do, which, <laughs> you know, seem reasonable for, you know, creating effect for the movie. But anytime it comes up, it's like, ah, oh, God, it made them do that. Yeah. How many times did the actors just slip and fall on their asses? Like, ah, <laughs> it was worth it. We got that wet dick. <laughs> which is a which is a great segue to the commentary. So. Uh, Chris Elliott's talking about the DP, uh, Steve Iaconelli, and he says, I think I pissed off Steve Iaconelli because the shot coming up. So he's referring to the shot where he's looking over the side of the boat at his wig floating away. And he says that he insisted that there should be some reflection on him from the water. And you can see this kind of shimmering on him. So they had to, like, use this silver thing to get a reflection on him as he's looking at his wig float away so again these these little things that probably just pissed off everybody on the crew <laughs> but the effect it created was beautiful damn it was. agreed with that uh bartek score yeah this was a good scene for uh, mr bartek it was i love i love the musical transition from uh him watching the wig float to like the strings and then it, it cuts to him chopping the skunk chopping the fish and it turns into more like of a like a deeper like tuba bass like kind of back <laughs> okay. to the comical sort of sound. Mm-hmm. It's a very good transition. The emotional staging that you get from the music throughout the movie, they do they do a great job. Have you talked about uh, Bartek being Elfman's like orchestrator? I think we just mentioned that he was part of Oingo Boingo, but do you do you know anything more about him, Chad? Well, I know. Well, he was the guitarist for Oingo Boingo with Danny Elfman. He was in the band the whole time because they had a bunch of the band would get new people a lot. And Bartek was always a constant. The only people that were like a constant were Bartek, uh, Johnny Vatos as the drummer and Elfman. Oh, in the horn section. But the other like, you know, bass would change and the keyboard would change all the time. And then when uh, Elfman got his first job on Pee Wee's Big Adventure, he had Bartek do the orchestrations for him. He didn't wasn't as adept at writing music at that time, and Bartek had a bit more experience with that. So he would continue doing that for like pretty much Elfman's entire career. I think he still might be doing it for him. Oh wow! So it's interesting that like this was produced by Burton and Bartek is like kind of stepped up to the lead composer role for this film. Yeah, I mean the history is that. Obviously, Burton was originally going to direct this, then it went to Resnick, and then Burton pulled Danny Elfman to do Ed Wood. So I guess he was just trying to help out, which is what some of they talk about in the commentary here, where some of these people were Burton's people, like Colleen Atwood was the costume designer, and, you know, they gave him Steve Bartek to work on this movie. Yeah. All right, so who wins the scene? I am going to go with Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, I loved his facial expressions throughout the whole thing when uh, Rich Brinkley is you know, slapping him around and then he, when he calls uh, when uh, Nathaniel calls him a walrus and uh, just he seems so like into it and very 
uh, amused by everything that's happening. Like, and that opening line, like, were you dropped on your head as a toddler? <laughs> um, and uh, maybe one of the reasons they cut the, because uh, you can tell he has more to say after he says, I'll have to pass. They were like, we can't let Brian Doyle get too much glory. <laughs> He's doing too good. But yeah, so all of his facial expressions to me really stood out. And I just had a lot of fun watching him during this minute. I had uh, Nathaniel as the as the winner of the scene. I put runner up with Paps for that Pecker headline. It just <laughs> it makes me laugh every time, regardless. Yeah, I uh, I also kind of a straight choice, but I also chose Nathaniel. Again, I thought uh, Elliot stepped it up after maybe being overshadowed a little bit by uh, Andy Richter in uh, the prior minutes. But Chris Elliott, Nathaniel, great job. Just really there for the whole minute. Honorable mentions, though, because, again, there was so much packed into the scene to Paps and Kenny and Skunk. Because they each brought it in a different way. But at the end of the day, I had to, I had to bring Nathaniel to the front. I, I do feel the true fandom coming out here as everybody is like trying to pick their favorite child and uh, <laughs> just can't do it. But uh, we have to make these hard choices. And as well, I picked uh, Nathaniel uh, just notably. I, I love the this is not negotiable and that little bit. And, you know, obviously just his reactions as he's wa- watching his wig float off, you know, real heartfelt scene Mm -hmm. that was my take so again we're trying on these new questions here to diversify our conversations a bit if cabin boy was a video game and if you were to use this minute as a premise for a video game uh what would that be so i I have some ideas let's (laughs) hear it okay uh so i I had kind of two ideas uh the first you start off with nathaniel presenting himself as a fancy lad and then after Graybar hits him, it transitions over to a punch-out type game where you're playing Nathaniel and he's fighting a walrus. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. So, so you have that. And then, can, you, can you put a wig on the walrus? Well, no. So after, the, after he beats the walrus, then he's got to try to dodge Big Teddy grabbing the wig. And then you go to him throwing boxes of macadamia nuts at skunk kind of like shinobi and finally you end up with him using his stockings as like a bionic commando to like swing across the ship to get to big teddy wow i love it i want to see like his like catalog of items you know like like in zelda or something where you pull up you use the stocking as like a slingshot to throw the macadamia nuts out oh shit mine was also very like an action based like you said 16 bit i was thinking like streets of rage or final fight type of thing Mm. where he's got to protect his christening wig from the onslaught of and i also pictured paps as as a walrus type character and kenny's got his bucket as a weapon and uh uh, skunk has his whittling knife that he's you know using and so nathaniel has to uh like battle them and of course big teddy's the main like he's the main boss because he's the one that ends up throwing the wig in the water but um if nathaniel gets hurt like a power up (laughs) a power up item could be like oh i'm hurt i gotta get my macadamia nuts and that gives him very very much uh an action-based moment in my opinion oh so good 
So good. Yeah, I mean, I, I had more or less the same type of thing, not not the level of detail that you guys had, but uh, more or less just the whole crew chasing him around the deck, trying to get, take his wig. And like, if they get it, it's again back to Zelda because that's my upbringing. If he takes, if he gets, if he loses the wig, the wig serves as kind of like the big shield to Zelda. So if he loses the wig, he like whatever his heart meter goes down faster after this until he can regain his wig. I mean, if we do nothing else, if we can at least uh, seed this uh, Cabin Boy game uh, happening by the end of these uh, podcast recordings. We're we're, uh, going to attempt to come up with, what, 60-plus game ideas over the course of the next (laughs) year plus, so. I have a bonus. Oh, please. Uh, The wig. When the wig hits the water, uh, you transition to a game like... uh, Echo the Dolphin, for you old people, or Abzu, for you younger folks, uh, where the wig is, it's an ocean exploration game, where the wig has to, like, dodge, like, hungry fish and, like, you know, fishing boats and stuff like that to try to find Trina. Oh, yeah. So you embody the wig. Yeah, you're playing as the wig. (laughs) I definitely, in some of those games, they would have, like, little asides where they'd have, you could hear a character yell something, that line, uh, not anymore, Peckerhead would be perfect for like, <laughs> the villains to shout at him like during the middle of a fight, like get that Peckerhead. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So this whole idea that we're bringing up with like these different items, like the macadamia nuts and the stockings and the wig and all that, I kind of branched that to the, a call to action. Uh-oh. Oh yeah. So what I'd like to see, and this might be something that we produce ourselves. Uh, it could just be a mock template for such, or we can have actual products, but some sort of cabin boy store. I'm thinking like a branded box of five pound uh, bag of uh, macadamia nuts. Five dollar value. Well, you'd have to mark it up as well for the cabin boy branding. <laughs> But, you know, even if, even if it's all bullshit and it's just uh, uh, one of these, you know, online stores where you can buy that, you can buy, you know, christening wigs or for different sizes and uh-huh. different genders and silk stockings, of course. I mean, yeah. we, we could go down the line of different things you could uh, make available in such a cabin boy store. Well, obviously, there's a there's a market for christening wigs for dolls. As a, as, a, as a Facebook page for it. So if you can have your cabin boy christening wig, come on. Your entire doll collection yes. would need to be fitted with their own christening wig. We could, we could like make a campaign that like your stuffed animal is like illegitimate if it doesn't have yeah. a christening wig. It's like it hasn't been born yet. Mm-hmm. Like a Build-A-Bear having, doesn't have the heart inside. It's akin to that. We could partner with Build-A-Bear. Build, build a fancy lad. That'd be so dope. I just, I, you know, Ch- Chad, that'd be good. Uh, not to give you ideas, you're the master, but uh, you know, like you do your little bird watcher coming home, like uh, oh, yeah. you know, us sitting down at the executive meeting with Build a Bear to try and pitch this idea. Oh my god! Oh my god! That'd be great. Uh, you you guys who the fuck are you guys <laughs> they, they haven't even seen the movie they don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> would want this like, you, know, you don't want christening wigs for your dolls what? what's that cupcake doing there 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an accessory, see? That's all chewing tobacco right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. We just we just spit in their face at the end and still laughing. We got something here. Yeah. <laughs> fancy lad. All right, so yes, so if Cabin Boy was a uh, class at university, so what would the lesson be for today's Cabin Boy class? I have uh, the art of negotiation. <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. I, I, my class was titled How Not to Negotiate. Mine was a Don't Threaten Sailors That Your Daddy Will Have Them Hanged Lest They Toss Away Your Christening Wig. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I had the same, you know, bordering, economics, negotiating, uh, inflation, all of these uh, economic courses uh, can be definitely taught. And as well as perhaps uh, something on uh, identity, when he's talking about there floats away my manhood and how we identify ourselves in relation to the world and, and, that, and that kind of thing. I think that this, the lesson from this minute is... I think either it's it's the negotiation or the economics. I love I like what you said about the uh, I think it's a, a good uh, like the gender politics gender identity thing like uh, there floats away my man like what what makes what makes the essence of a man or whatever yeah <laughs> right. that's a that that could be very funny yeah I was thinking of that a little bit too and I ended up kind of pushing that into my the philosophical pondering slot Nathaniel losing his wig. Does that help him grow into a cabin man? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, he experiences some level of loss, and then when he's reunited, I feel like he's able to then access that loss, and that makes him, that opens him up in a way to grow. Yeah. Or is the wig, is the wig ancillary to his experience, and truly it's what he goes through with the crew that really helps him turn into a cabin man. And the wig is just kind of a, a representation that doesn't actually kind of bear on what he goes through. I think the the wig is for sure keeping him down. It's uh, He needs to lose that in order to grow. I don't think he's getting his pipes cleaned if he's keeping that wig on. Well, <laughs> and right in the end scene, when he denounces his fancy lifestyle, doesn't he throw the wig at his father? He does. does. In terms of Nathaniel's growth and everything that he's gone through, he loses the wig, he can then become a man. Or is it that he loses the wig, but then he's also with the crew and they have all these experiences and that's what takes him along to becoming a man? I think he needs to lose it because it's almost like a metaphorical like security blanket or something like that. That's he's He says it himself. He's like, I, that was given to me as a baby. That's kind of what he's, you know, he has to, that has to go in order for him to grow. Ooh. That rhymes, too. That's I know. God, I'm good. <laughs> Wordsmith. One bar. Done. Do you think Skunk would feel a similar sense of loss if he loses his hat? Hmm. Or if Kenny loses his bucket? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm seeing correlations to the video game. These are like their power <laughs> items. <laughs> Skunk's a little stick. Can he watching the bucket float away? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's my manhood. No. <laughs> All right. So gags per minute or GPM. Who wants to start to break it down? I had, let me see here. Goose in shoes. Big talking walrus. Big Teddy throwing the wig. Pecker headline. The line floats away my manhood. 
And then Nathaniel offering up the macadamia nuts and stockings. So I had seven. Okay. All right, I got five. I think I went low again. I got goofy looking goose. Two is the big talking walrus line. Three is the I hate this line. Four is the you ain't got it no more peckerhead line. And five is there by the grace of God. Macadamia nuts don't get any love, huh? That's why I said I went low. I just, I don't know if it was necessarily a gag or not. I guess that was my my issue there. But now I'm kind of rethinking that. I would definitely say mountains of Beninia is mm. for sure. Like, it's that word itself <laughs> is a gag. <laughs> so I have uh, number one, goofy looking goose in shoes. Uh, number two was Cappy hitting Nathaniel and Nathaniel's reaction. Number three, big talking walrus. Uh, number four, the this issue is not negotiable. Number five, I hate this. Tossing the wig. Number six, you ain't got it no more, peckerhead. Number seven, by the grace of God. And then number eight, yes, I mean, I just kind of had a loose uh, macadamia slash stockings that exchange together. Total of eight. Okay. I came up with nine. I had uh, what is apparently goose and shoes. Still holding on to deuce here. Big talking walrus. I hate this. The manhood, peckerhead, uh, macadamia nuts, stockings, and then Penny and Skunk for just their expressions throughout the scene. GPM of nine. Um, we have Chad with seven, uh, Scott with five, I'm with eight, and Rob with nine. Seven sounds about right to me. Gags per minute of seven for this minute. Are we in agreement? Yeah. So you were right, Chad. You win oh. a five-pound box of macadamia. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have to go buy it yourself. Though. Oh, yeah. I'm going to sell these for $106. <laughs> All right. So the important question, is this minute funny or not funny? I will begin. I say it was funny. <laughs> I also say it is funny. I third say it is funny. Funny all around. Mm-hmm. Yep, this one was not uh, not negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you could have argued that the scene was funny purely on the strength of the pecker headline. <laughs> yeah. And then just everything else just yeah. pull, pulls it up along with it. That's the power of Gammon. Yeah, man. Perhaps. Power of Gammon. That sounds like a great name for a video <laughs> game itself. <laughs> by the power of gammon <laughs> and speaking of the power of gammon you guys know what we have looking forward to in the next minute oh yeah oh yes <laughs> his most powerful moments <laughs> going to be great uh, all right any last notes things to say before we wrap up Mm-mm. this is nice. a great great minute exhaustive research done. Benigna. I think we really fe- found something out there with that Benigna thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do think it's probably something to do with uh, Resnick's Pennsylvania upbringing. Could Might be. Might order some Benigna Creek wine. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll grow to learn that they have a little gimmick where they wrap up your bottles of wine in silk stockings. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, free macadamia nuts included. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, again, 
Mr. Chad Opitz. We thank you so much for joining us here on Cabin Boy Minute. We hope you enjoyed the experience here. This was a damn delight. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming along on this journey. So again, you can follow Chad Opitz on Twitter or Instagram at at Chad Opitz. I thank you for joining us here on Cabin Boy Minute 20. We will see you next week on Cabin Boy Minute 21. Adios. Cue the music. (laughs) Bye-bye. again for joining us on cabin boy minute please help spread the word tell your friends about us and rate and subscribe on your podcast medium of choice check out our episode notes where you can find calls to action details on how to support the pod or leave us a message or find us on twitter at at cabin boy minute we look forward to joining you again next week bon voyage